This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Hi, this is Alon Kirkland, and you listen to the SteelerNation.com podcast. We are live on Facebook. Hello, hello. Good morning, Steeler Nation. And welcome to our SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Stryker, with my co-host... Hunter Homestack, time to update your resume, co- your resume there, co-host. How you doing? It sounds good, man. I like it. I, I before though, I gotta say, I liked favorite sports writer too when that was my intro. Like that <laughs> one just built my ego up to the max. So I like that one. But co-host sounds really good too, man. Happy oh. to be here. Happy to talk Steelers, of course. Football is here tonight, dude. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we have games tonight, guys. So. uh you know, we got Kansas City against Houston, and uh, I'm excited as hell for the return of the NFL, and it's officially happened. I mean, we were very skeptical moving up through the COVID stuff. You know, Ed Bouchette back a couple months ago didn't think it would happen at all. It's happening, Ed. Sorry, but we're making it happen, and it's happening tonight. So I'm psyched to watch some real official football. Steelers are playing Monday night, and nothing can make me happier than the return of Steeler football and the NFL in general. Oh, man, I'm right with you. It's been ridiculous. Like, the more I just think about football, I catch myself, like, watching YouTube highlights all the time and stuff now, like, just getting back in the football mood. It's an exciting time. And even though the weather's starting to chill down a little bit, like, it's starting to feel football-y out there. Ah, yep. <laughs> it's the best, man. It's the best. Nice. And, guys, we have a sponsor now. We, uh, I mentioned there at the, uh, at the top of the show, uh, Total Sports Enterprises is now our sponsor. And if I can jump on this correctly, that's not the right one. So I got to fix my, my page here. So as soon as I got my page fixed, there we go. I got the page now. It's all the switch and stuff. You think I get good at this after a while. I was trying to work out all the bugs in the off season. But right go. here we have a, a picture, <clears throat> autograph pictures, 8 by 10 photos, $49 for the first 10 people to jump on Total Sports Enterprises. That's at Total Sports E-N-T on Twitter. Uh, and it's Joe Hayden autographs. They're $49 for the first 10 people. So people here on Twitter, people here on Facebook, you got the first chance to do it. Good luck. I hope you guys get it because that's a great deal. And every week moving forward, we're going to have a free giveaway chance on their Twitter page. You can follow us too on the Steeler Nation podcast at underscore SN podcast. We retweet that. 
So if you share that and you follow us, you follow Total Sports Enter uh, Enterprises, then you are automatically entered to win free autograph swag. And that is a cool partnership. The new um, contests happen every Monday. We'll talk about it on Tuesday. They give it away on Wednesday. So real clean transition with us with the podcast. We're happy for them to be a partner. And, you know, thank you very much to Total Sports Enter Enterprises for sharing all of that you do to help our podcast and help all of Steeler Nation because it's just an awesome, awesome thing that we can give to our fans and give to all of Steeler Nation. For sure. Those guys are awesome, man. Like I've been following them, seeing them pop up for a long time. So partnering with them is super cool. You guys are, I mean, obviously if you're watching this, you're a Steelers fan. That's a must follow account. Absolutely. Always giving stuff and good stuff. Yes. And they're always like topical stuff too. Like right after the draft, they had a Highsmith jersey, a Claypool jersey, that kind of stuff. Like yep. they're always on top of what's trending with Steelers Nation as well. So just go follow them. <laughs> yeah, and Google them too because yesterday for Ryan Jazier's uh, retiring, everything that's Ryan Jazier on their site was 50% off. I checked wow. today and it was still had the 50% off number on there. So jump over check out and, and see if you can purchase uh, the Ryan Chazier stuff. They got, you know, jerseys, they've got helmets, they got mini helmets, they've got autographs signed uh, eight by 10 photos. So whatever you like, check it out. It's a great way to have a piece of Chazier in your life and to serve for inspiration for Steeler Nation, though, uh, though yeah. he has retired. And uh, let's talk uh, a second, I guess, about uh, Ryan Chazier uh, just coming out yesterday and uh, retiring. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Just to talk about the 50% off real quick, that's crazy because you kind of, as a Steelers fan, you want a Shazier jersey more now than usual. Like usually when a jersey goes on sale, it's because they traded the guy or cut the guy or whatever. You know, he's not a Stealer. But now Shazier's a Steeler for life, as Colbert said, and made everybody choke up on that call when he had that line. You can retire from football, but you can't retire from being a Pittsburgh Steeler. I mean, that's that's a beautiful line right there. And that's that's yeah. exactly what happened. I mean, what it's hard to even talk about Shazier at this point. You know, what can you say that hasn't been said about how amazing this guy is from his teammates, from his coaches, from the GM, from the owners? I mean, everybody who has come into contact with Ryan Shazier says the same thing. You know, it's an amazing story of perseverance. As good as he was as a player, he has the chance to be even greater now after football as an inspiration and as a story in that way just moving forward. So I, I had to tweet something to that effect because he said when he realized he couldn't be Superman anymore on the field, it was hard for him to come to grips with that. And for me, he's more of a Superman now with everything that he's done than if he was a Hall of Fame player. Like what he's doing now is so much bigger than football. Yeah. So, I mean, Steeler for life, that's the kind of guy you want to be a Steeler for life. These highlights are ridiculous. I know. I was, I was <laughs> some. Wait, we're showing the highlights here on the Facebook page. So if you wanted to – if you're able to jump on the Steeler Nation Facebook page and watch the highlights as we're talking, you can do that. that uh, but we, we just got some beautiful, beautiful highlights of uh, Shazier making play after play. And he was just such a – you know, he, he started as a rookie. He picked it up quickly and, you know, started making splash plays just about instantly. Uh, yeah. so it's just awesome, awesome to uh, remember yeah. him. And just jump on YouTube and check it out if you got some time too. Just as remember the type of player that he was. Yeah, made a ton of plays for us. I think one of the things that hurts the most in retrospect is that he was still clearly getting better. Like that's going to be the great unknown is that we'll never know how great he could have been as a player. We know how great he was, which was already pretty damn good, but yeah. we don't know exactly how good he was going to be. So that that's what adds a little extra sting to the equation and just him. And, you know, he's grappling with that fact as well. So his journey and, 
dealing with that and moving past that is, has just been incredible, you know, physically and mentally. It's one of the best stories in sports, and I'm sure it's going to make a book or a movie or something one day, and it's just going to take everything to the next level. Yeah, so, so best luck of, with Ryan Shazier uh, as Emperor Chaz. Chuck Knoll used to say, you know, best of, luck get lu- best of luck to you as you're getting along with your life's work. So now it's time for him to start his life's work. He's a lifetime stealer. And we will show one other lifetime stealer right here. <laughs> and that is Cameron Hayward. Just inked a new deal. I don't know how the hell the Steelers figured out a way to make it fit uh, <laughs> underneath the salary cap, which we're, we are in negative for next year. But I'm assuming they are geniuses. I will look at the numbers and probably do an article on it. But, you know, just amazing to have a guy like Hayward who's been on the team seems like forever defensive captain. He is the, the vocal leader, one of the vocal leaders on the team. And now he gets to continue and end his career as a Pittsburgh Steeler. That's it's perfection, man. It's exactly what you want to see. I couldn't imagine. I can't picture Cam Hayward in a different Jersey. Like when that was a possibility, I just, I just couldn't do it. I refused to do it for me. It never felt like he was going to leave. Like I, there, I don't know why. There was just a part of me that always thought, like, they're going to make it happen no matter what it takes, really. And he, for sure, got a ton of money that is going to create some challenges for them moving forward and re-signing some of the guys they might need to re-sign, T.J. Watt chiefly among them. But they're going to make it work. Like you said, they are geniuses at this. This is what they do for a living. They've done it time and time again. It's not like it's not like they signed Hayward and are like, oh crap, we got to sign TJ. Like this is very, this yeah. is very planned. Yeah. They're very aware of what they're doing, and it's going to be fine ultimately. But what what I loved more about this than anything, Cam Hayward, the player. Again, we know how great he is. We know what his leadership mean, means. I remember so many times last year, after a loss, if you went and talked to Cam Hayward in the locker room after a loss. He was the ultimate professional in, in handling questions, tough questions. He answered everything, answer it fully, never give you attitude, no matter. And there were times you could see, you know, you'd ask him a question. He'd sit there for a second, yeah. compose himself because after a tough loss, you know, you want to just flip out and you want to be rude or mean, or he's still fired up. Like he, you could tell he left some stuff out on the field, wasn't quite decompressed, but he always handled it was just the ultimate professional in that, in that way with media. So super appreciative for that, but it's, it's just another statement by one of the greatest organizations, if not the greatest organization in football, you know, there's a couple organizations that can make that claim, but it seems like the Steelers are the ones that continuously do stuff like this and lock their guys down for life and have their guys. Like when you, he, he is a Pittsburgh Steeler and only Steelers fans and people who follow the team will truly understand what that means. But these are the kind of moves that make the Steelers such a great organization. So to see them continually do that, it's just another, you know, it's another mark for one of the greatest franchises on earth. Well said. And I will leave it at that because I couldn't say it any better, Hunter. That's why I love having you on the show, man. <laughs> and uh, so moving on, we're going to start talking about the rosters finalized. Obviously, we didn't have a chance to talk about it uh, yet because the last podcast was on Thursday, finalized the roster on Saturday and then adjusted the heck out of it. But at least for the points that I wanted to cover was we had two surprise returns to the roster, which is Sean Davis and Josh Dobbs coming back to the team. 
And for me personally, I love the depth. I think, you know, unfortunately for me and Hunter, we were both wrong. He had Duck Hodges making the team. I had Paxton Lynch making the team. We were both wrong. It's Josh Dobbs. They've got him back off the waiver wire. <laughs> and uh, so he's rostered. And so is Sean Davis. And, you know, Sean Davis, I know, was another polarizing player. But at least, you know, we know he's quality depth. He can, he can really do a great job of coming in, and he's starter capable. So yeah. that's why I love those two pick- pickups. Do you have any uh, more words to say on those two guys? Yeah, I just want to say that I was still more right than you on Duck. That he's on the practice squad still. So <laughs> I just want to get that one in real quick. All right, thanks for the jab. I it. <laughs> but no, on, on Sean Davis, I think it's it's he's the more interesting one to me because he might actually have a role throughout the season. You know, some spot playing. If if the Steelers get down to Dobbs, I agree. Like simply based on his legs, he is a more interesting option. He provides a slightly different look could maybe squeeze out a win where maybe Duck wouldn't have been able to. And, and that one win might be all you need. Like last year, one more win, they're in the playoffs. So if Josh Dobbs could have created that, then make a win. But if they get down to Dobbs again, the season's in trouble, as we saw last year. I still don't fully believe in Dobbs, but I like the move. I like being aggressive and trying to rebuild your team. My favorite thing with these moves is that the Steelers organization is saying, we don't accept our performance these last couple of years. We are not okay with the results and we're making changes. So that's awesome to see from your organization. They're clearly committed to switching things up and trying to improve. Now, whether, whether those improvements actually pan out, we'll see, but it seems like they're making all the right moves for that to happen. And like Sean Davis is the interesting one to me because I saw a lot of Twitter reactions saying like, Oh, we already, we saw what he can do. Why, why would they do this? But, you got to think last year it was Sean Davis starting with Cam Kelly backing him up. Now it's Minka starting with Sean Davis backing him up. Like it's such a more, such a better situation this year. And when Sean Davis, I agree when he's your starter and you're counting on him average at best, but as a backup, that's one of the best backup safeties you could hope for in the league, you know, can start knows the system is still young and should be developing and improving still can hit for sure. I mean, that's a great backup. Like if you're complaining about a backup safety of that caliber, you just want to complain. <laughs> no, not at all. And that, like you're saying, that's, that's better than a Cam Kelly. It's better than a, uh, a danger field who that, who have their roles. Don't get me wrong. They have their roles on the team, but he's Sean, Sean Davis is starter capable. So yeah, absolutely. We got breaking news, breaking news on the Steeler Nation front. I just got a text here on the Facebook page. Thank you guys for jumping in. But uh, the the boss just sent me a link to SteelerNation.com. Deontay Jersey autographed jersey giveaway round two right now. So if you jump on to SteelerNation.com, they are giving away an autographed Deontay Johnson jersey. It looks like it is the color rush jersey. I'm showing it here on Facebook. I'm telling you on Twitter. So uh, shoot on over while you're listening to SteelerNation.com to enter. Start following them on Instagram and tag friends. And to, they're, they're, you click there and it tells you how to do everything. So jump on to Steeler Nation. Check out the Deontay Johnson autographed jersey giveaway article. And it will walk you through on how to win one. Awesome, awesome. job. Thank you guys for sharing that. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Justin. 
on second on second thought none of you guys should enter because i want that just let me <laughs> enter and get that <laughs> i know man he's he, he's be quickly becoming my favorite <laughs> i think i think i have him in every fantasy oh nice this year. you sh- had to make it happen had we'll, to make we'll, it we'll happen. go into depth with him a little bit later on in the show but uh, so right now at least going back to the roster one of the surprises to me was the Steelers going out and picking up Dustin Colquitt over mm. Jordan Berry so essentially they're kind of the same kicker um they they're both coffin kickers which love pinning teams inside the 20 don't get a lot of touchbacks um but interesting aspect for for Colquitt and what Tomlin said is he, he likes he's got a higher floor he likes his floor which means he's not going to be shanking kicks that's that's code word for this guy doesn't shank kicks and unfortunately Jordan was getting a little bit of the yips there toward the end of the season uh, I don't know if he had some issues here in uh, preseason, but it looks like that's one of the reasons why they went with a move because it only saves them a value of 700K. Uh, and and do you know, Justin, that there's a family link to Colquitt? Yeah, Health absolutely. Nation. Absolutely, his father Craig Colquitt was the punter for the, in the for the Glory Day Steelers. So, yeah. I mean, it yeah. doesn't get much better for that, and it's cool for Dustin to come in now he he admitted as much he's like it feels great to be a Steeler and kind of carry on my dad's legacy legacy to a degree obviously the punter is not the showcased player on those teams but it's very cool to still be a part of that and to carry that on but uh to your point about the higher floor I think you that's exactly what the appeal is here and it's exactly the way I felt about Dobbs and the Sean Davis signing is that they're trying to eke out that one extra win if just Flipping the field in one game, you know, might change the complexity of the game just a little bit. Give them that one extra win. Yeah. Like Colquitt is not going to be a game-changing addition to the roster, really. But he might make a small enough difference for that one extra win that might be all they need. So it's just their their commitment to eking out that extra win, I think, is extremely clear with these last-minute moves. And I listened to Pat McAfee actually talk about Barry versus yes. Colquitt. It was a really cool interview. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I, never, I never thought I would be interested in listening about punting. No offense, punters. I agree. You're very talented. It's very awesome what you do, but it's yeah. just not the most interesting aspect of the game. Yeah. But he was saying how Colquitt has a very short drop from his hand to his foot. He basically, oh, wow. basically kicks the ball out of his hand, whereas mm-hmm. Barry drops it pretty far. Yeah. And when you get into weather and, and you know, weather conditions aren't ideal – the, the slightest amount of wind when you're dropping the ball far can affect that and create those shanks, can just move the ball offline a little bit. So Colquitt basically kicking out of kicking it straight out of his hand should be much more consistent, especially with weather, which obviously with the Steelers' schedule and obviously where Pittsburgh is located, weather is going to be a factor later in the season. So all of it just points to Colquitt being more reliable, probably won't have the 70-yard bomb that Barry would occasionally catch, but – should also not have the 15-yard shank that Barry would occasionally catch. So that's that's the game that they're looking for, and that's, I think, going to be a good move for them. Now, there's a couple of surprises, too, that we had. We had some surprise cuts. Big Dan uh, finally not making a roster for, like, the first time in eight years. Uh, he is on the practice squad, but the biggest surprise cut to me was Ryan Switzer, and it was because he was there with Ben through all the rehab, Looked like he reshaped his body for the NFL, but Steelers chose to keep five receivers, and he is the most pigeonholed receiver on the team, I guess, since they found kick returners and punt returners that are better than him, and they've also got 
people that can play special teams now that were also drafted that are kind of took his spot. Yeah, I was surprised on several levels because I think, you know, we talked about this before, and every time we predicted the Steelers wide receiver depth chart for the season, we had them keeping six receivers, first of all, which they yeah. didn't. Yeah. And we, we both penciled in Shazier, or Shazier, geez, Switzer as kind of a locket for that fifth yes. receiver. And then yeah. obviously that did, he, not only did they not keep six, but he wasn't even a lock for six, let alone five. So yeah. it's crazy, crazy that they just ended out flat out cutting him and not signing him to the practice squad because – uh, like the second layer of that is that all the reports from training camp early on said that Switzer looked as good as any of the receivers, if not better, which kind of perked everybody up. Like, Oh man, did he finally turn it around? And yeah. then he got injured and I guess just didn't look the same after the injury or the injury just became a concern that they didn't know if they could rely on him for a full season again. Cause he finished yeah. last year injured as well. Yeah. So I'm not sure if it's just the injuries adding up or what, what happened or what changed, but something definitely did. And they liked what they saw from the other guys better. Yeah, and it's, it's just interesting to me that they didn't even put him on the practice squad. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, one thing that – the only thing I can think of here playing devil's advocate for Switzer on the roster is Steelers are carrying an extra offensive lineman because DeCastro is hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, if DeCastro comes back healthy, they might move one of those linemen back to the practice squad and might pull Switzer back on the roster. You know, that's – that's just me. That could happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just yeah. conspiracy theory here. Uh, so that's it. That's, you know, it, it's just my two cents. But yeah. Who knows? He never who knows? knows. His connection with Ben. I mean, it's yeah. Ben clearly likes the guy as a person and as a player. So it's just interesting all the way around. Definitely wouldn't surprise me to see him come back. To my knowledge, he hasn't been signed elsewhere yeah. as of okay. this recording. Yeah. So, so yeah. we'll see. So a couple of uh, young additions to the team that weren't on the team last year that made the roster, uh, James Pierre, who is a veteran. He started every single game with the giant. No, no, this is the race. Is this this guy? No, that's the other guy that was, um, but James Pierre is an undrafted rookie free agent, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it back. I was thinking of the, uh, the safety Ray Ray McLeod joining the team and a wide receiver, Carlos Davis, defensive lineman, also so you know they've got a lot of youth coming onto the team and i'm surprised carlos davis being drafted in the seventh round i believe Mm -hmm. um but kudos to him he must have really showed what he could do making the team and um so for me it was a little bit of a surprise but it was nice to see them you know try to find the talent wherever they can find the talent to make sure that this is the best roster they can put together I love it because it just stuck with themes. Like it, it was clear that the front office had an approach for this off season or for the upcoming season. And that approach was shake things up and try to eke out that one extra win. Like I've said several times, like these moves are all kind of upside moves. Yeah. They're all about stability and creating an extra win. So I love just where their head's at that they're saying, you know, we're not okay with just repeating the same results from the previous seasons. And I think that's exactly what all the moves you just mentioned say as well. They know what they have with Dan McCullers and there's a reason they kept him on the practice squad because if somebody does get injured, it'll be nice to just activate him, have him step in. He knows his role. He can play. Obviously he's stuck around. I know he's a very polarizing guy. He's kind of like the Switzer of the defense, right? That people are like, get this guy off the team already. But He's really not that bad. Like, Dan McCullers is not bad. He's just not great either, and that bothers a lot of Steelers fans. So, he he's stable, though, but it's interesting to see what Carlos Davis can bring. I'm definitely interested in seeing more of him. Ray Ray McLeod, of course, that's an interesting one as a kick returner. The Steelers, it feels like forever, 
have needed a dynamic kick returner that can just kind of change the game, give them once again, that one extra little burst, put some extra points on the board or set up Ben and company in a little better position to put points on the board could be a huge win for them. If Ray Ray McLeod, and obviously he stepped in late to camp and made an impact and made the team. So they definitely like what they see from him. So I'm definitely intrigued to see more on game day for him. Yeah, now we'll talk about the depth chart and how the Steelers released it. And it's kind of interesting this year because we saw the word or listed for a couple positions. And it it was something that the Steelers have never done in the past. The first one being Banner or Chooks being your starting right tackle. Um, we've gotten word now that it is going to be Banner that is going to be the starting right tackle. Uh, so Slash Steel, I know he was asking, you know, who's going to win that matchup? What's going to go on? Obviously, it was Banner. Uh, for this one. So everybody's favorite tackle eligible is now the starting right tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So get ready for cheer, to cheer for him when they announce his name, when he runs out of the tunnel. Unfortunately, he's now ineligible though. Yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ruin his whole they, brand. They, they bounce him out when they bring in uh, troops because they that could would, do that. They could. They could right? imagine <laughs> that. That would be Ima- just like last year. That would, that would be, that would be something for Steeler fans already having him start on the field. Tackle eligible, Zach Banner bouncing out, Chooks going inside, and bam, they hit their plays again. So that would be awesome to see. That would be beautiful. <laughs> that would be absolutely beautiful. But it was a it was a great battle to follow throughout camp, yeah, I think. Yeah. For sure, you know, the best guy won. That's just how it works. That's how these very obvious camp battles work out. Zach Banner outplayed Chooks, apparently, in the coach's eyes. And I know both guys did good stuff. Yeah. Both guys also had to work against T.J. Watt a lot, which isn't going to make many tackles look good at all. So, on one hand, I'm sure there were some disappointing plays from them where they just got roasted by T.J. Yeah. On the other hand, they've been practicing against T.J. Watt for a month and a half now, and they're really not going to experience anything like that on the field as an opponent. You know, there's a few guys who can match T.J., I think, as an edge rusher, but for the most part, they've seen the best that there is to see. So it's good on game day. It's like, I always think when I covered MMA and UFC, the fighters who trained with other elite fighters obviously have better results inside the cage when it's actually fight night, because they've seen this, they've seen elite players, fighters. And that's exactly how I feel about TJ. You know, they have this experience against a guy like TJ Watt when it's just some average edge rusher coming at him, they're going to be like, wow, this is, this is way easier. This is nice. Yes. (laughs) And then the other or on the team is uh, Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron. And I like that being an or because to me, like this is the biggest change to the roster is getting a receiver capable tight end. Mm-hmm. And it's something the Steelers, you know, they, they really went out and they tried to do it before uh, with that guy from San Diego. Who was that yeah. guy? Ladarius um, Green. Ladarius Green. <laughs> yep. Because that guy was, should have was going to be that role. Eric Green back in the past, but he was blocker capable as well. But Ebron is a legit wide receiver tight end. Uh, he can block. He can. He can block. He's not the. He's not as good a blocker as Vance, obviously. But I think for different situations, by saying or for these players, you know, if we're going to go run heavy, Vance is going to start. If we're going to go pass heavy, Ebron's going to start. Sometimes we're going to have both of them starting. So this yeah. is if you go to two tight end set, two receivers, and in, a, in, the, in the backfield. So, you know, it's a way for flexibility. But I, I think this one is not – it's not a way to disingenuously place an or for two players when, I, when they have 
skill sets that can fit different styles of play for different teams. Absolutely. And Vance is a capable receiver. Probably he's a more capable receiver than Ebron is a blocker, I think. But the two tight end sets you touched on briefly, I think that's where things get super interesting. The, the matchup problems that the Steelers are going to be able to create, the versatility they're going to be able to have on offense – Man, that that is going to get super exciting. I can't wait to see what they can draw up and what, what they can do to kind of exploit these mismatches because they've got size and speed in, in a weird way everywhere. You know, it, I, I look through this roster, man, and this goes on offense and defense. I don't really see a hole, even special teams. I don't really see a hole, and this is the first yeah. time that I've yeah. felt this way in years upon years. You know, there's always something you can look at and say, oh, this could be better, but – yeah. And obviously things can be better. You know, you could have all pros at every position, but as far as being realistic about it, this yeah. is as good of a roster as I've ever seen the Steelers trot out. And that's why I'm so high on them this year. If yeah. everything gels and Ben's fine, that's the great. What if, yep. if Ben's fine, the Steelers are going to do work. Yes, they are. <laughs> and even their backups are good. Like I'm, I'm comfortable with most of the backups on the team. I mean, Obviously, you're going to lose some production if you get to your backup defensive linemen, backup linebackers. But, I mean, this is this is a thick team. I mean, even with Alulu coming in, I mean, he's, he's stepped in and been able to play those three to five techs as well for the past couple years. Anytime Tuit goes down or Hayward goes down. But hopefully those guys will be healthy this year. That's the mm. way. That's what I, I just want to see one year where Tuit and Hayward are healthy all season. And yeah. I think that this – defense would be a wrecking ball not only a wrecking ball I think this would be this could be up there with an all-time defense because that's how disruptive those two players are and allow everybody else on the team to be so much better because they're eating up blockers for the linebackers they're forcing pressures for our defensive backs that have to cover in a shorter amount of time now you're talking about three second coverage for a defensive back they'll take that any second of the day I mean, that's, that's an ideal situation for a defensive back. <laughs> Everything about it. You know, I talked to Steven Nelson about that last yeah. year and a couple other guys, and they weren't hiding it. You know, they're, they're like, when these guys are putting that much pressure on the quarterback, it makes our job that much easier, which is super obvious. You know, I feel like most people who follow football know that, yeah. but it's, it's, under, it's an underrated aspect of what that pass rush does. You know, everybody looks at the sacks, but a QB hurry is sometimes just as good as a sack can lead to an interception, a bad decision, yeah. an incompletion obviously is a good result as well. So yeah. no, matter how you, no matter how you cut it, like you said, as long as the health is there, this has to be one of the best Steelers defenses, like you said, of all time. And I know that's crazy to say. It is. It is crazy. It's crazy to say, but it, ha- it just has to be because last year it was close and this year it should be even better. So what do you do? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, but – Another spot on the roster, too, that I wanted to highlight and talk about a little bit. Um, Marcus Allen was listed as the backup to um, to Bush with with, uh, Ulysses Grant III, UG3, being third behind Marcus Allen. And I don't know if that's a misprint because everything that we've been hearing out of camp is UG3 is killing it in camp. He looks amazing. And we just assumed that he would be the slotted backup next, like third interior uh, linebacker at both positions to jump on. So head scratcher there seeing him listed as third behind Marcus Allen, who just joined the linebacker group just a few short weeks ago. 
Yeah, and I just want to shout out you for saying Ulysses Grant instead of Gilbert. Like you gave us a nice, <laughs> oh gosh, <it's> Gilbert, gave, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> gave us a nice, nice ah. Civil War throwback for yes. us. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got you on the show to correct me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll change his name. It it has a nice ring to the commander or something on the field. I like it. I like it. But uh. Dude, I, I don't know. I don't I don't look too far into the depth chart where that's concerned because I think just situationally they're slightly different players, you know. Sure. Marcus Allen is more of obviously a hybrid safety coming down from safety and now playing linebacker. And, and I um, like that move. Yeah, yeah. Like I could see yeah. him in big nickel or dime situations, stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas Gilbert, for sure, you know, some stuffing the run, he's a bigger, more traditional kind of linebacker, but still very quick as well. Gilbert showed good flash last preseason as well if if anybody remembers some of his plays i think he had a pick maybe a sack you know he made some nice splashy plays that people were like eh, okay because obviously devin bush was the hot new guy in town but everybody's like yeah this other guy they got a little later looks like he can play too so they have solid depth it looks like an inside linebacker so i'm excited to see gilbert get some reps see what he can do he had a back injury late last year that definitely yeah. hampered him so see how he recovers from that and plays but this is about Vince and Bush, you know, <laughs> once, once again, if it gets down to Gilbert and Allen playing a ton of snaps, something's gone wrong because Bush looks primed. I think, yeah. I don't know how, cause Devin Bush, they trade up for him. Number 10 overall pick. He's like such a hot yeah. ticket, but he, yeah. he's flying under the radar again. Like even after a sensational rookie year, right? they felt, <laughs> it felt like, felt like he didn't get the attention or the praise that he deserved, but for Steelers fans, I think that's ideal. I think yeah. just letting him go about his business and do his thing is the ideal situation. But it's just weird to me that he's not talked about more because he had a great rookie year. Yeah. <laughs> he was shot out of like a rocket too. First couple games. Yes. Like, Arnolders, fumbles, touchdowns, yes. interceptions. It's like boom, 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 boom. And then he did hit the rookie wall toward the end of the year, but he's still getting tackles. He led the team in tackles in his first year. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy as hell that he's – that the Steelers – made that move that's that's a huge move that's that is a franchise changing move yeah to move up in the draft and grab a guy who they know fits their biggest weakness on the team and solidified it instantly instant starter and yeah. then we'll, we'll talk about him too coming up here uh later on because i've got a a thing uh that mark here to talk about so we'll have some more devin De devin bush talk coming up nice okay. um interesting here too on the wide receiver front on the depth chart uh deontay johnson and juju were named as the as the starters so not Washington and Juju anymore. It's Deontay Johnson and Juju. So mild change. And for a you know, second year player, I, I love that. I, I think he should be on there. He's a, he's a heck of a guy. And we'll talk about him a little bit more coming up. But Washington, of course, would be your third. Claypool would be fourth. Uh, but the Steelers are keeping five wide receivers this year. And like we mentioned and alluded to earlier, it's got to be because of Eric Ebron. Has to. Because he's, he's essentially that extra receiver, so right. why do you need to keep five, six receivers? You just don't. Exactly. Yeah. It makes perfect sense in that, in that regard. So I think you know that's exactly why. Ebron is the fifth receiver. You can easily split him out, an empty set. Yeah. And he's fine. And now we've got new kick returners. Both kick returners coming to us from rookies. Uh, you have McLeod, who uh, just – we were talking about Ray Ray McLeod, the, 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 uh, the, the wide receiver, and – him joining the team, making waves. He returned a kick for a touchdown in his first time doing kick returns in training camp. They love him. McFarland's going to join him, the talented running back from uh, University of Maryland, the speed back. So we've got a lot of speed. This is probably 
our fastest two return people that we've ever had returning kickoffs to start the game. Yeah, it seems like every time the Steelers get excited about a kick returner, it falls flat somehow. You know, I think of Dre Archer, Chris Rainey, and these guys, and it just yeah. never works. So here's to hoping. Roussard we picked up from the CFL. Like, they yeah. got a return, though. <laughs> here's, here's to hoping that they figured it out finally. I like Anthony McFarland a ton. I yeah. love his yeah. game, his tape. He yeah. is, obviously, he's super fast. But he runs way more powerfully than I think he gets credit for as well. You know, there is yeah. some legit yeah, yeah. size and power there as well. He's not some, he's not Dre Archer, you know, at all. Everybody wants to say he's small just because he's so fast and elusive, but he's yeah. actually just not small. They're just trying yeah. to pigeonhole him as that guy, and he's just not that guy. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what he can do in all fit, not just returning kicks, but actually getting in the game, maybe some third down back type stuff as well. So he's an interesting player. And McLeod, you know, we already talked about it. To come in late to camp and make that kind of impact is not easy to do at all. Like he he wasn't making the team unless he made plays and stood out. Like this this wasn't what Switzer didn't do. This isn't Switzer getting cut because of what he didn't do. It's him getting cut because of what McLeod did do. So that's a a huge, huge win for the Steelers there. Punt return, obviously it's got to be Deontay, which – It is. You're right. You got it. He was our all-pro, second-team all-pro last year. He returns again to be the starting punt returner. Well, just one final uh, point I just want to make is since McLeod and McFarland are listed as the starting kick returners, they're going to be active on game day. So yep. we're looking at all five wide receivers being active on game day because Claypool is a monster. He's like on every single special teams, coverage, yep. return teams, kickoff teams, punt teams. He's so big. He can even get in the blocking teams for a, for a field goals and things like that. And love to have him out there on fake field goals. That'll be a fun thing to watch. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is, this is big because usually we'd always be carrying a wide receiver inactive on game day. And that was just always the way it's been for the last, you know, three years since I've been really watching the game day uh, activations and deactivations. Um, so it's going to be really neat to see, all this personnel that the Steelers have at their availability now for Fichtner and Canada to be able to utilize in this great new offense, which Ben just stated yesterday when he was interviewed that Canada's got his fingerprints all over it and went on to discuss on how it feels more like a college style offense in that there's so much motion. And that's what we need. I mean, Moving players around with this much talent on a team creates more mismatches to make Ben's job easier. And I would love for them to actually finally get into doing that. It's so juicy, man. It's really hard. (laughs) It's hard not to get excited about the possibilities. And I understand some resistance to doing this kind of flashy, like you said, all this motion and stuff. If anybody's watched any tape of Canada's offenses in the past, they're crazy. It's crazy to watch. Yeah. It almost looks illegal. It's like, okay, that had to be an illegal shift or something. Like, that. no, that many people can't move before the snap. But obviously he does things within the rules and it works. But uh, it's interesting. If it works, it's going to work big, I think. I mean, we saw what Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, and that whole offense did last year. Very untraditional offense there as well. They redesigned their entire offense around Lamar and that rushing attack. So, And we saw how that worked out for them. So if Canada can do anything even remotely similar as far as kind of changing the way the game is played and creating those mismatches, yeah. it's going to be huge. Like you said, you've got Ebron, Claypool, Juju, Deontay, obviously so many weapons, just some of these mismatches. It's going to be impossible to cover if they execute it right. So it's exciting, exciting on that level for sure. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back to the NFL. 
with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and Direct Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving for right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle's, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And now we're getting to the practice squad. So... You know, this year being COVID-19, we did not have standard reporters or Alex Kazora from the depot in there, you know, giving us a camp diary. What we got was the beat reporters, uh, you know, like Mark Boley and, uh, and Brooke um, and, and uh, Vicky and them just telling us what's going on in camp and just trying to like munch down on all the information we can. But we did get some good information on some of these players, and I just want to go over who the Steelers decided to to keep because they didn't keep anybody from other teams on our roster. Everybody they kept was on their training camp from this season. So uh, Trajan Brandy, the, the defensive back, made the team. Antoine Brooks Jr., the, the drafted safety that they picked up. So every single player that they picked is at least on the team or on the practice squad. He was the only person that didn't get rostered from the uh, from the draft pick. So that's a – that's a strong draft, and hopefully he can build into more of like a Mark Allen role on this mm-hmm. team, which we were, which is what his film looks like to me. Right, right. Um, Deion Kane, who joined the team last year as a wide receiver, we're able to keep vets now on uh, the practice squad because of COVID. Practice squad increased from 10 to 16. We had 11 in the past because we had an international player with Scott um, Christian Christian Scott Williamson. <laughs> Big Got long it. name, CSW. But, uh, but we don't have him on the team anymore. We don't have that roster exemption, so we're stuck at 16. But I, I love that move by the NFL to make sure you have more players, and we'll get to one more rule here in a second after we go through the squad. Amara Darbo, another receiver making the team that we got, knew about. Trey Edmonds, who's Terrell's brother, who was, back, who was a running back who was rostered last year. He's on the practice squad. J. Roan Elliott, the old linebacker we had from last year as well, came back. Derwin Gray, the versatile lineman from Maryland again. We love Maryland players. Um, Tomlin does, yeah. <laughs> your guy, Devlin Hodges, the duck, made the roster, much to, much to my uh, inability to pick correctly. Uh, and then we have a couple of XFLers, a couple XFL linemen. Uh, Jaron Jones made the, made the play, made the team, and um, Anthony Coyle 
made the squad. And they were both from the XFL, so good, good for the Steelers for hanging on to a couple of those players. Dan McCullers, who was always on the roster, he's still here. <laughs> but now he's on the practice squad, so he's making much less. Somebody did an article, he's making like 12000 a week instead of like 125000 a week. And I'm sorry for that, but I'm, I'm glad he's at least there for depth. Henry Mondeau made the team. He's another young uh, defensive end that the Steelers liked in training camp. Kevin Rader was in practice squad last year. Uh, and as, again, this year, Curtis Riley is the one that made the most waves in training camp, actually made the 53 roster before they picked up uh, Sean Davis. And mm-hmm. he would have been on the roster had they not picked up Sean Davis. But I think it's a good move, and I think he's going to be a good player for them as well. Wendell Smallwood, the vet running back, and last guy, Chorus uh, Waltman, the punter, who's a punter slash kicker, so they can carry an extra person in case they have problems on special teams. So, you know, I'm thinking that this is a very solid practice squad. The other rule now is you're allowed to keep four protected. So no, so usually you can poach from anybody's practice squad, take whoever you want as long as you roster them. Now you can protect four players, and no matter what, you cannot pick them up. So Steelers this week, and it's they change it each week, but this week they chose to protect Mundo, the uh, linebacker, uh, Elliot, the other linebacker, Riley, the defensive back who we, we all love, who made the squad initially, and Smallwood, the, uh, the veteran running back. So one quick point I want to say here, and then I want to hear from you, Hunter, is on Smallwood. I think Smallwood is the backup to the one-two. So if something happens to Connor or if something happens to Snell, he's rostered and he's going to be rotated in those one-two slots. I agree. He has starting experience. You know, he can do it all a little bit. He can catch passes. He can run. He should be able to learn the system pretty quickly. One thing that's underrated with running backs is simply their pass protection. That's that's so huge for running backs in the NFL, and it's not sexy or fun to talk about, but they got to be able to do that. And that's exactly why Trey Edmonds made the practice squad again because he's a great blocker and he's great on special teams. So they know that he might not be a game-changing running back, but he's an incredibly reliable guy to have on the team to have around. And that's ditto for McCullers, like like we said earlier. You know, he's yeah. not not a splashy player, but he knows what to do and is capable of doing it. So that's kind of what you're looking for for these practice squad guys. Uh, Mondo, the other defensive lineman, everybody was just talking about how strong he was throughout training camp, and we saw some of that last yeah. year as well. He was on the practice squad last year too, but that's another guy that I think they're keeping around because he has so much raw strength and potential untapped talent that there is, there is legitimate upside with him. So that's cool. Um, Hodges, obviously I like seeing him on the practice squad. I think, I don't think he's that bad. I never thought he was that bad. Take that knife. Take yeah. That. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, he's, he's just better. He's just better than Paxton Lynch. I don't know what to say. Paxton, Paxton Lynch isn't good. Not better than Josh Dobbs, just so you know. (laughs) Apparently not. Rocket scientist. And for the record, to be fair, to be totally fair, (laughs) fair. Duck Hodges did not beat out Josh Dobbs last year either in training camp. They traded Dobbs. I see. I seen a lot of people saying that, but that's that's just not that's inaccurate. He didn't beat him out. He actually didn't make the team. Yeah. Yeah. Dobbs regressed. He threw a lot of interceptions last year. That's why they wanted to move him. They moved, yeah. you know, Duck to the practice squad and then brought him up to the roster when they yeah. got rid of Dobbs. So it was a smart move from the Steelers. Absolutely. So this is this has just been the offseason of smart, calculated moves for sure. It seems like every everything we've talked about to this point, you can go through and make a very logical explanation for why it happened. I don't think there's a lot of secrets. There's not a lot of gamesmanship happening here. It's simply the Steelers trying to put together the team that's going to win the most football games. Makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
So now we're getting up to the point for injury status for the game coming up. The only one we know that's out is David DeCastro. It's already been listed across multiple news sources that he's not going to be playing this week. It looks like um, – why did I just forget his name? Uh, the, the, the guy that we just picked up the, um, from Kansas City, the line, interior lineman. Is it Wisniewski? Wisniewski, yeah. Wisniewski. Why did I draw a blank on Wisniewski? It's just a weird name. (laughs) Yeah, so he's going to be starting in that spot, right guard. Interestingly enough, though, that is where Dotson started in college. He was a right guard in college. So if anything happens in that slot, maybe they might pop in Dotson a little bit. I don't know. But but at least we picked up that veteran interior lineman that can play any of the guard positions or center positions across the line genius to have and great well, to have here week one so i'm yeah, not I mean, upset about him not being in for sure you hate to see it this early in the season and hate to see de castro unable to play already week one but on the flip side this is exactly why they signed wisniewski you yeah. know this is what that move was at the time and now this is exactly why you make those moves when you do so that if something like this happens you've got your security but you alluded to it a little bit i think dotson looked great throughout camp awesome reports his college tape is absolutely absurd highly recommend if you haven't seen it go watch it how that guy slipped in the draft didn't get a combine invite right it doesn't make any sense it it truly doesn't make any sense I could see Dotson being the steal of that draft class for sure in time and I think Wisniewski's going to have a short leash I don't I think Wisniewski's very solid and stable and he'll be fine but I think if for some reason he's just not getting it you know he's he's not uh, executing his assignments properly or just making mistakes I think Dotson's in because I think they did like what they saw and they're simply going with experience here week one maybe not the ideal situation for a rookie protecting Ben Roethlisberger making his first game back week right. one of, of a weird <laughs> NFL season with a shortened training camp and no rookie camp not not a good time to put a rookie in so I think they're simply going with the experience and the sure thing so to speak but man if he slips up I think Dotson could see it could snag that spot very quickly yeah another couple injury notes uh Cameron candidate came back so that's big having the long snapper ready to go for the season opener was Newski as, as well he was limited again but he came back on the third and then we didn't get we, we don't have any information since really the third nobody's telling us anything on who's injured or who's still injured, but I had Cam Sutton listed as missing practice on the second, as well as Chase Claypool. Um, Usually they don't give that days off to rookies. So I don't know if something's up with Chase Claypool, but we haven't heard any other rumblings. These are just speculations just because I don't have all the information. I'll still be uh, listening today where they're supposed to come out with the, um, the injury report for the week today to let us know who's going to be eligible. And if they're not listed at all, the only person that I'm really thinking of seeing on there would be DeCastro and that would be ideal. So moving on next past the injuries, we've got, of course, a game coming up on Monday night football. Are you ready for some football? Hunter? Unreal. So ready. Been so ready. This game tonight feels like a Steelers game to me. Like I, I'm as excited to watch, like, you know, yeah. as excited tonight for football as I normally am. I feel you there. Like, yeah. I'd be more excited if it was the Steelers. Absolutely. Obviously. I'm so excited for meaningful football. Being yeah. Television I've literally never been this excited for NFL football just because <laughs> of the, the weirdness of 2020 and yeah. finally being here. I'm just, I'm so happy, dude. <laughs> awesome, dude. Oh, that's great. And so, how do you see the matchups here coming up for the Giants game? What's the Giants- out to you? Yeah, man, the Giants are a weird team for yeah. sure. There's a they they're young. 
They're young. They've had a ton of turnover. And this isn't – I'm not talking about the roster, their coaching staff, brand-new head coach, brand-new offensive coordinator, brand-new defensive coordinator. The special teams coordinator is the only primary coach that is consistent from the last couple years. So it's it's crazy the amount of shifting they've done. Clearly a rebuilding football team. They were not good last year. They're not projected to be good this year. But there's enough interesting pieces that are dangerous, and especially the danger of the unknown. Like I just said, all these new coaches, all these new schemes, new players, there's no tape. (laughs) There's no tape on this Giants team. So that's that's a problem for sure for game planning. If everything clicks, and we've seen this happen in the NFL for sure, where a new coach, a new – there's a new – you know, kind of spirit in town that rejuvenates everybody and gels everybody together and they're playing as a team versus, you know, maybe playing as individuals or not buying into the previous coach's philosophy. Maybe everything clicks under these guys and maybe the Giants far overperform what people expect because Daniel Jones, you know, rookie quarterback last year, got plenty of playing time, plenty of tape on him. Kind of up and down, but overall had a pretty decent season. You know, he finished with like an 88 quarterback rating. I think he had 24 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. Not a bad ratio at all. Actually very respectable for a rookie. But one thing I noticed going through his game logs is that he had amazing games of like 300 yards, four touchdowns, zero picks against bad defenses and completely terrible games against good defenses. Like New England tore him up for sure. Like every time he met a defense that was above average, he struggled big time. So he was feasting on the lesser defenses for sure. And that's kind of what balanced out his stats. So obviously you like to think the Steelers have an above average defense. I would, <laughs> I would call it top three. I'm calling them an elite defense. This yeah, year. sure. I think, I think elite, I think yeah. elite is an appropriate term. And of course coming into year two, he'll be better. He should be better in year two than he was in year one. So I expect some developments from him. They still have Saquon Barkley, who could yes. be, might oh, be, might oh, be the best running back in football. Game yeah. changer can break one off at any time. He's yeah. a problem. He's a problem. But outside of that, on offense, there's not a lot to get too scared about. The receivers: Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and Golden Tate. Golden Tate's also injured. It's it's oh, wow. un- he's questionable. They're not sure whether he's even going to play on Monday night. So that receiving core doesn't strike a lot of fear, you know, for sure. But again, Saquon, Evan Ingram, their tight end, can break open a game. He's a really good receiving tight end, very fast, kind of Ebron-ish in how he can break open the game and create mismatches. But also, Ingram is very injury-prone, so they haven't seen the consistency from him they want to see. Um, Overall, it's just – it's not a great team on paper. But like I said, if everything gels, if the philosophy's right, if Daniel Jones specifically takes that next step forward – they could create some problems. And, of course, week one, man, anything can happen. These teams can take a while to settle in. We've heard Ben yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Ben was very candid about it, which surprised me. In a recent interview, he was saying how the team nothing ever feels right the first couple of weeks of the season. You know, you're still getting acclimated. You're still settling in. You're certainly not firing on all cylinders in a perfectly oiled machine right out of the gate. So if yeah. the Steelers come out slowly and they're not ready and the Giants come out with a little fire under this new regime ready to impress, yeah. could be a closer game than people realize. But overall, it looks like a win for the Steelers for sure. Yeah, I, I expect them to be more run heavy, picking up the uh, coaches from uh, Dallas um, to come in and, and run in their team now. So, you know, I, I'm expecting heavy doses of Saquon, um their defense is probably going to give us the most problems out of anything on their team uh just because for me the matchup is going to be 
who's going to get up to game speed first to win mm-hmm. the game? Is it going to be Jones, the quarterback of the Giants, or is it going to be Ben Roethlisberger, who's taken a year off with the Steelers? Right. So, to me, that is the matchup of the game. And, you know, both are question marks. I mean, you can make arguments either way because we know Jones is a young quarterback. Steelers love feasting and pressuring young quarterbacks. He does not like being pressured. That's an advantage, but we're with the new offense, we're expecting more running plays to Barkley. Uh, we're expecting more zone runs. We're expecting more passes out of the backfield, quick passes to Barkley. Right. So that's where they can really – because Barkley, if you guys remember, if you, if, I don't even know if, if, if you've seen a lot of film, but Barkley is essentially like a Le'Veon Bell mm-hmm. in that he's coming out of the backfield as a full slot receiver. He runs the root tree. He can do anything, and he has the speed and the hands to execute. So it's a tough mismatch, and, and it's gonna be, a lot of it's going to be heavy on Devin Bush to be able to try to minimize his ability to make plays coming out of that backfield because he's probably going to be the best running back we see this season. Yeah. I mean, you could play every team. You could play all 32 teams and I think still make a case that Saquon's the best running I, back that you I see. He's, he, he might just be the best running back in football. So, And that's he's overall, a, like, total, like his, his ability yeah, yeah, to right. do everything, his breakaway speed, his power, his hands, his route running, just overall. And, and back when he was a kick returner, I just looked on today – just to start, just to see if he was their kick returner, I'm like, I hope he's not returning kicks anymore. No, because <laughs> no. that's how dangerous this guy is. Right. He can oh yeah. Anytime he has one ball. of those guys, just get the ball in his hands and let him go. He was he was so good at Penn State and such a blue chipper, and yeah. he's one he's one of those guys who, in college, the way they talked about him, a surefire you know top pick in the draft, and then he was, and then he actually lived up to all the hype. He's just one of those guys who is exactly as good as you've heard, and just does it all. You can't say enough good things about him. However, like we said, outside of him, there's not a ton that terrifies me on that Giants offense, and especially their offensive line is not great. They've got a center making his first start as a center ever. He, he was their guard last year towards the end of the season, their starting guard. So he's moving to center, making his first start. That is not the defense you want to meet if you're no. getting your feet wet. So <laughs> – so I could see them having some problems. Their defense, like you said, they're a great run-stopping defense. They've also beefed up their secondary a little bit this offseason. So could be a tough defense. Could definitely create some challenges. They also signed uh, Blake Martinez from the Packers in free agency, who has been a tackling machine. He had like wow. 100, 155 tackles last season. So wow. <laughs> ridiculous. However, Blake yeah. Martinez can't really cover, doesn't really have athleticism. He's kind of that traditional game-managing, stuff-the-run kind of inside linebacker. So yeah. it'll, it'll it's interesting. There's a lot of changes for the Giants, but like I said, there's nothing – that pops off the page that's like, uh, they might actually win this. This should still be the Steelers game to lose. Yeah. And now it is the time of the podcast where we take questions from Steeler Nation. Log on to SteelerNation.com. Click on the forum button, join the forum, and you can ask questions to be released here on the podcast, or you can jump on Twitter live and ask. You can jump on Facebook live and ask. As you see, we're very, very open to however we can get information. But Heinz57 over at the SteelerNation.com forum asked can to it put in a full 16 game season and for me he hasn't been able to put in a full 16 game season yet as a starter i think the most we've gotten out of him are two 14 seasons we had a 13 season and then he was hurt almost all of last season so you know that's why i'm hoping he can stay as a starter and play hunter your thoughts 
Uh, I'm not sure how to answer that, man, unfortunately, because yeah. obviously Tuit wants to put together a 16 game. It's not like he's not trying to. So far, like you said, he hasn't. So history tells us he won't, but that doesn't mean he can't. Like if the question is can he, I, I guess he can. Like yeah. his body could hold up or it might not. Injuries are weird, especially at that position. And his body type is very strange too. He's a very long, tall defensive lineman. So he's got weird leverage which yeah. serves him well whenever he can use it. It's, it's what makes him so powerful. But at the same time, it creates these weird angles that lead to those kind of pec tears and, and the triceps injuries that he suffered from. So it's exact. It's a problem of anatomy with him. And unfortunately, that's not going to change. So I, I don't know. Will he? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer well, that. Well, we'll <laughs> <Yeah. soft alienation. laughs> I'd love to see him healthy the whole season. And then – he, uh, Heinz 57 also, also asks, how does Ben's elbow look after surgery and rehab and that other thing he is fighting against, father time? Yeah. And one thing I want to share with everybody, uh, especially when you're on Facebook, um, check out right here on uh, YouTube. He has the Bigger Than Ben uh, going on, and it is the third installment just came out yesterday. And it's an awesome, awesome it, – it's, it's getting in behind the scenes and understanding – Ben's thought processes and what he had to go through to come back to be the, to be the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yesterday's third one went through his whole re rehabilitation, how it affected him, uh, the doctor's reactions to how he was coming back quickly, actually way quicker than anticipated, and how it affected the family because the family was a big part of his rehab because he had to rehab and do everything at home. So yeah. he got to be a family man, stay at home, rehab, and – so the big things, I guess, going back to your questions, at least he got a year off with the surgery itself in that elbow. He's saying he doesn't have pain in there anymore. He always had a vertical tear in the center of one of his tendons. That's gone. That's repaired. And he's had that, he said, for eight years, ten years. So now being able to throw a football without pain, I think it's looking great. His, he's throwing the ball as good from the reports, as strong, if not stronger, than he's done in the past. Though I know, you know, back in the 80s, I remember these same reports about Terry Bradshaw's elbow being great and better than ever, and then he comes out, throw, can't throw farther than 40 yards. But Ben can throw the football. Ben is hurling it. You see him right here. He's taking some uh, – taking some, so these are his first passes that we're looking at here, uh, if you're watching it on Facebook and on YouTube once we post it back up on our YouTube site. So those were his first official NFL being able to throw a football again. And it, and as you see, his beard just kept getting bigger and bigger until he <laughs> finally got to step out on that field and share that great uh, promo video that was only nine seconds long that I talked about for a half hour back when it happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, but I, I'm excited as hell to watch him play, and I think he's going to be a new Big Ben, and he's going to be a great Big Ben this season. Yeah, man, I, I'm with you on all fronts. I think the difference between Ben and Terry Bradshaw – besides modern medicine and recovery and all that that they have nowadays to help Ben out is that we have documentation this year, you know, cell phone videos from camp of Ben making these throws and throwing the ball further than 40 yards and making you looking fine. So everything we've seen, heard, read says Ben's going to be fine. Now, father time is obviously undefeated, but once again, modern medicine recovery, it's amazing how much longer, careers these players are having you know Tom Brady's 43 
He looks fine. Uh, we see quarterbacks going to Bree. How old is Breeze? I don't know. Older than Ben. Oh, gosh. But, he's way older than Ben. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah they're like 45 and 49. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. You, you, you're getting them up in the old, yeah. like the, the extended 40s with with yeah. both Breeze and with Brady. I mean, they're they're old guys. Those, I mean, they've been in the league and established before Ben was drafted. I absolutely. remember eating us when we had Cordell Stewart. Yeah, a- absolutely, man. So. Yeah. So you've got these guys up there in age. It's not it's not impossible these days for a guy to make it, you know, into his forties and still excel at an elite level. And dude, the year off, I know it's been said, this isn't a unique idea. That year off benefited Ben. Like I'm one hundred percent positive of that. Physically, mentally, everything about it. He has more fire in all of his interviews. You can hear how much more focused he is because now it's about proving people wrong. And I think yes. when you're a two-time Super Bowl winner and you're a Super Bowl MVP and you yeah, and you flirted with these things, not a Super Bowl MVP, my bad. But uh, yeah, should, well, should have been. He should have been. But uh, <laughs> I that's, yeah, that's I blasphemy. It's blasphemy, but you. yeah. yeah. Um, when you've done these things and you're reaching the end of your career, it could be easy to step back and say, ah, you know, I've already done it. I don't have the same fire. But now he has – a definite reason to have that fire back yeah. and I think he has it so I think at all things considered I expect a better Ben legitimately and I'm not saying that means he's throwing for 6,000 yards and breaking every record he put out there but I think we'll see more consistency and just a very high level of play from him as Steelers fans expect. Uh, we got another question stating from Hines uh, do you think we will see much progression from Washington and Johnson at wide receiver given that they did not get to play with Ben save for one game last year and for me DJ is an absolute stud uh, I'm going to share something um, right here uh, on with the Facebook crew and it, it is a highlight on Steelers Depot from Dave Bryan and he broke down all 18 which led the league of Deontay Johnson's forced missed tackles. <laughs> and it is great to watch. It'll play here while we talk about him. But Deontay Johnson is, is like A-B light. And mm-hmm. he does things kind of like, – he was the best receiver I've ever seen, college draft, getting off the line of scrimmage, beating a press. Yeah. He can do it, he can do it with hand positioning. He can do it with feet. He can do it with feints. I mean, and he's just untouchable at the line of scrimmage. And once he gets into open field, as you see right here – he jukes the first player out and just like you have trouble bringing him down. So I see him really progressing with Ben because Ben's going to be like, Oh wow. It's, this is like throwing AB. Yeah. Abs- I mean, absolutely. And it's going to be like, I mean, AB was very savvy that he knew the spots in the zone to get to. And he's got to work. DJ has got to work that rapport with Ben. Like DJ had, hasn't had to play backyard football yet. He doesn't know to like to right. streak when Ben's getting scrambling. So right. like, that's the stuff he's going to learn. And that's going to be fun to watch his progression. But I think he is going to be that possession down receiver that we need on this team to move the chains. And he's probably going to be a go-to player. Washington, the same way, can only benefit. Uh, he, he really had the toughest job. And to lead the league, the team in yardage last season with that much turnover in quarterbacks to have different guys throw. But he was consistent across all three quarterbacks and making plays for all three quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. I do see him progressing, and I, I think he'll, he's going to get better, and it'll be fun to see. Uh, if he doesn't step up, obviously, like, you know, Claypool's going to take that slot if he doesn't. Right. Um, and then he, you, the continue of the question is, if Juju's healthy, can he get 100 tech catches without AB on the other side of the field? Right here, he's got DJ on the other side of the field. <laughs> it's, it's essentially AB light, and, yeah, I, I, I think that he can get close to it if not. DJ might get a hundred catches this season. You know, uh, it, I, I mean, 
it, it's going out there. He led the team in receptions last year, but he's got a chance at it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going crazy on that, but if he got 100 receptions, and you're like, Stryker, you got 100 receptions, I would not be surprised. Dude, I think – This is the way he plays. He's a possession guy. Yeah. He gets you six, six to eight receptions a game. I think Juju finishes with more yards, but Deontay finishes with more receptions. I'm right with you on that. I, I, 100 receptions, easily achievable. Yeah. It's like you said, he doesn't have a ton of experience and rapport with Ben, but – you mentioned the AB light thing, and I know this gets overstated. And comparing anybody to Antonio Brown it, is really—it's it, it's not fair. It's not fair to compare because he was, of he was a, yeah, he was an amazing. amazing. He was. That's he why, was. That's, that's why I can't say he is AB. Right. Um, AB was one of the best to play, and unfortunately, he he couldn't keep it together in between the years, and that's the only thing that separated yeah. him from being an all-time best. Right. All that said, though. Yeah. Deontay did have one of the best rookie seasons ever for a yeah. Steelers receiver. Yep. He does possess those traits. Everything we've seen from him genuinely looks like A.B., and I feel comfortable saying it because I asked Deontay about that comparison last wow. rookie, rookie minicamp, yeah, yeah. and he embraced it. He's like, I love A.B.'s game, and, of course, I watch A.B. play and try to emulate the things that he does that makes him successful. So saying – and Deontay on Instagram, I think this offseason was training with Antonio Brown a little bit. Wow. That video circulated. So – it's no secret that he looks and plays like AB. They're very similar, and that's not a bad thing. I think I don't I don't know if people think it's a bad thing or reaching or whatever, but it's no secret that Deontay wants to be like AB. What young receiver yeah. wouldn't want to be like AB? That's a that's a great thing. We should yeah. hope that he turns into AB. But yeah, I mean Deontay. To answer the question, Deontay for sure stepped for it. For sure, I would bet. I don't bet money on sports, but if I did, I would bet money on that, that he leads the team in receptions and is a fringe pro bowler, if not a pro bowler. He's going to be great. Like I said earlier, I took him in every fantasy league. I'm very confident in Deontay Johnson. James Washington, on the other hand, yeah, I could see him having a similar season to last year statistically, which is fine. It's just that there's so many more weapons this year that it's, there's just not enough to go around. They're not going to support three. They get some touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to get a lot of touchdowns in yardage. I think Juju and Deontay are a thousand yard receivers. And I just, you can't support a third thousand yard receiver. It's just not realistic that Washington would also elevate, you know, he had what 745 or something last year. So it's not realistic for him to go much higher than 800, like maybe 800 at the most. So I think he'll he'll be a better player. It's just that the opportunities won't be there for him statistically to be better. So it's going to benefit the Steelers' offense overall. I just think when you look at it in pure numbers, it's not going to look like he took a big step forward. Yeah, and then uh, Hoot asked us a question. The G-men are struggling at both offensive tackle positions. A couple <laughs> weeks ago there was chatter that two rookies would start. Does it still seem like the case? And if so, I say six sacks. Do you take the over or under? And for me, <laughs> six sacks is would be an incredible number to attain your first game back into the season. But I think that that, as far as for being the over-under line, is too high. I, I, I would have shot the line at like four sacks maybe, and that's still a benefit if the Steelers can get to uh, Jones four times. They're doing great. If they're over four, they hit six. Yeah. They probably won that game big because he's got to throw the ball a lot more than they're running it to try to get back in the game. Yeah, the, the rookie offensive tackles thing is an interesting point. I, and I don't know, unfortunately, to answer that question. I don't know if that's still the case. If it yeah. is, 
You know what, man? Screw it. I'll t- I'll take the over on six sacks. It it's gonna <laughs> gonna get nasty. That's gonna yeah. get nasty. If there's two rookie tackle plus a center making his first start at center, yeah. The one thing that I think could definitely hamper that is how effective as a check down option Saquon is. I could see him just dropping, you know, just dump it off to Saquon. He's a great safety valve. Evan Ingram, good tight end, little safety valve there as well. So he has options if he's getting pressure to just kind of get rid of the ball, which might hurt that line. And anything over six sacks is absolutely ridiculous to begin with. But like, like we've said repeatedly throughout this podcast, the Steelers defense can do it. They they absolutely can. So it wouldn't surprise me for sure. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And I'll take the over just to have a little fun. Nice. So we go uh, Drink Iron City. Finally got in. Thank you very much for getting your questions in. Drink Iron City, I was worried about you. But uh, he said, with the recent retirement of Ryan Shazier, the question of retiring number 50 has arose. Can you guys discuss both mm. pro and con to that topic? I wrote an article on that yesterday, SteelerNation.com, go on over and read it. I'm more of a pro end, but at least I think this is something that should be discussed. Steelers have only retired two other numbers, and that was Ernie Stoutner, who was the best player that they had on defense and also played some defensive line, also played some offensive guard for them in the 60s before the 70s teams. And, you know, he 10-time pro bowler, eight-time pro bowler, I mean – nine-time all-pro, the guy was just – he was what the Steelers thought about when teams played against him. They hated playing against him. He got his number retired and then number 70. And then number 75, Mean Joe Green, started the the first draft pick for Chuck Knoll, the linchpin of the Steel Curtain, started it all. I mean, those two, obviously, the best numbers to retire when – especially they got a couple of numbers that they don't issue, 12 being one for – uh, uh, Bradshaw and, and a couple more down the line, but 50, I had to actually think about because yeah, he played a short amount of time. He came into the league as this, as the fastest timed linebacker ever, though he wasn't, didn't run in the combine. He ran it at his pro day. It was like a, it was like a four, three, eight. And he's running, he's running speed drills against the receivers and beating them on our team. That was awesome. That's how much of a freak this guy was. He started immediately out of the box. He was a playmaker out of the box, but really started to get into it year two. And I had to mention at the end of the second year, he was the biggest part of the the miracle meltdown in Cincinnati for that wild card game. He forced a fumble early in that game by crushing uh, the the running back. I forget the name. Was it it Bernard? Bernard, yeah. Oh, my gosh. He destroyed him, knocked him out of the game pretty much with that hit and should have returned that. That play shouldn't have been blown dead, and he should have had a touchdown on it too. Um, I agree. But at the end of the game when um, Ben got hurt, had to come out for a series, and I think it was Landry then, his first pass got intercepted. All they had to do was run out the clock. First play was Hill coming up the middle. Shazier punches it out. Yeah. And that's how the yes. Steelers immediately got the ball back where they should have lost the game. And then they had the two big, you know, the, the, the meltdowns and everything happened after that. But to give the Steelers the ball, he was the reason why they were still in that game at the end. And then built on it, being a pro bowler the next two years, and then ultimately giving his health to the Pittsburgh Steelers on the field of play. Um, you know, to me, I think that says everything, especially since he's been – such a big emotional leader for the team, even while he couldn't play, helping out in progression to Devin Bush, helping out the linebacker room. So I'm more of a pro on here, but 
I, I know I, reading my comments that I'm seeing on it, there's a lot of cons. <laughs> yeah. So what, what are your thoughts on that, Hunter? It's tough. It's obviously a tough situation because everything we said when we talked about Shazier earlier in this episode still holds true. His, his inspirational story may never be matched as a Steeler. You know, the, the side of him that it goes beyond football, as I said earlier, is you can't quantify that really. You, you don't, you can't put a price on that, so to speak. So on one level, Shazier absolutely deserves to have his Jersey retired for the, the strength and the perseverance that he's shown. Yeah. But simply as a player, it obviously doesn't merit that from this organization. Because like you said, Lambert doesn't have his number retired. And you can't yeah. say that Shazier was even close to the middle linebacker that Jack Lambert was yet. Like we said, you know, uh, Shazier was getting there for sure, was still improving, was still getting there. But if Lambert doesn't have it, if Jack Ham doesn't have it, if Mel Blunt doesn't have it, if all of these yeah. clear-cut Hall of Fame players don't have it, how can you really sit there and say – Shazier deserves to. And the answer to that question is everything that goes beyond football. So if you weigh that stuff enough, no, nobody's going to complain. There's no Steelers fan or football analyst in general that would say, wow, he definitely didn't deserve that. You know, that would roll their eye. It would be fun. Everybody would be cool with it. It would be awesome. But just for me personally, I think it's a stretch. I think it could become one of those numbers, like you said, that are just kind of off limits and are, and are honored in that way, but not officially retired. That would be cool. Yeah. But I can't, I can't quite envision an official retirement for 50. Yeah, and, and, you know, devil's advocate here, too, like, what if his injury was worse and he never did walk again? You know, would that have given the emotional lift and support to being, you know, maybe a, a player that would you'd say, yeah, you retire his number because of what he gave to the team to uh, yeah. play in the game of football at such a high level? Um, right. But, uh, you know, like, like I said, no, yeah, nobody would complain. He, he, yeah. He's deserving of it on that level for sure. Yeah. And the second question from Drink Iron City, the, official, the officiating will be on a microscope due to the lack of preseason conditioning. Will this be a concern going into the season, and how long will it take for the refs to become football sharp within <sighs> their calls? And I wrote an article a couple days back on, on the expect the month of September to be – the ugliest football you have ever watched for the month of September. And we as Steeler fans, we're used to the month of September being the feel out period, you know, double digit penalties, usually for the first three weeks, everybody throwing Tomlin under the bus for not having his team prepared offense, trying to figure out how to just move the football. But this is the whole league. Now there mm -hmm. was no preseason games. There was no football between whistles. There was no, referees on the field being able to call these games there was no referees even being able to come into practices because of COVID-19 they've yep. kept everybody separate so this is going to be the first time referees are on the field with players it's crazy. so I think it's going to be a giant CF which is <laughs> for you people that are making sure I'm, I'm keeping it clean for the kids but my goodness like I, I think that there's going to be not only is it going to be tough for the offenses to get into rhythm I think it's going to be tough for referees to get into the rhythm of this, to get used to the speed of play happening that quickly. So you're going to have a lot of missed calls. You're going to have a lot of phantom calls and hopefully the review team can help us out because <laughs> yeah. we're going to have some crazy stuff, I think, starting off early. So, you know, but that, that's, I can only hope that it, it happens as quickly as possible with everything else. When they have referees rotate out and they have sub refs come in and they come back, it usually takes two to three weeks for the refs to get, comfortable with the game just like the Steelers offense technically too but yeah that's what I'd see in about I for sure agree with everything you just said I think the one 
good thing for Steelers is playing Monday night. We're going to be able to watch enough football to know what to expect by that point, to get a feel for it. You know, tonight tonight should be a good measuring stick for what the flow of the game will be like. And that's not to say that they're going to be able to fix their issues by Monday night. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying that we should know what to expect where this is concerned by Monday night. And I don't know. There's a part of me that doesn't think it's every, everything you said absolutely holds water. I see it. Like I get it, but there's a part of me that thinks it'll be okay and be somewhat normal because the rules didn't change in the off season. You know what I mean? It's not like they're working against a bunch of crazy stuff like that. It's going to be a little different, but overall it's the same game. They shouldn't have forgotten how to make calls in this amount of time. So I'm optimistic. We'll say that. Nice. Elizabeth James Homestack. No, who could that be? Who is that? I have no she's idea. On, she's all over Facebook, so just so no, she's doing a great job. It's probably actually it. my dad. My mom and dad share an account. I bet it's nice. my dad. Nice. So mom and dad are up here supporting us here on the podcast. Love seeing you. Thank you very much for uh, the great comments here, and we love reading them as we're going here on the show. Uh, <laughs> last question here, though. So mom and dad, listen up, because this is for Hunter directly. Oh, Drink Iron City likes to know about us as people. We love that. Thank you very much, DIC. And Hunter, can you tell us a little bit about yourself on a personal level? Um, and I'm going to say specifically, I want to know about, like, you play guitar. Like, how did that start? Were you in bands? What's For sure. That's awesome. I appreciate the question, Drink Iron City. And hearing your screen name this often just makes me want to drink Iron City. So <laughs> know, right? your, your guerrilla marketing tactic is certainly working <laughs> on me here. But uh, yeah, man. So I started playing guitar when I was 13 or 14, probably. My parents got me this little Epiphone Strat, actually, not a Fender Strat. I never even knew that Epiphone made Strats, but I have one. So they do. Really? Nice. <laughs> and, uh, it's great. So initially they got it for me when I was probably like 10 or 11 and I messed around on it, but it was just hard. And you're a 10 year old, you know what I mean? I probably played it for like an hour total. And I was like, Oh, I'm not good at this. I don't like it. So (laughs) put it away. And then one of my best friends, uh, Trent Sowers. So met him when I was like 14 and he had been playing guitar for like a year and a half. Maybe at that point it was good. Like very quick learner. You could tell he was just kind of a natural at it. Yeah. So he started teaching me some stuff. And as soon as I learned, you know, a couple songs, it was game over. Like I was addicted. Oh, like once you, once right. you could play something, it just became an obsession. Yeah. So all through high school, I was in a band with Trent, you know, we had cool. a little band and had a, the whole thing, you know, we played some cool shit. We opened for Tommy two tone. Yeah, which which is hilarious because we were like heavy southern metal kind of like blackstone cherry black label society we love we love pantera and bands like that so we were we were a metal band or at least hard very hard rock like on that cusp of being pure metal so for sure it was a weird combo to be opening for tommy two-tone but i embraced it for sure so we had some great times man but as as it happens you know college life careers marriage all these things happen and just having a band on the side especially when now we're all you know two and a half three hours apart it's not very feasible so it was never a career thing for me but it is still something to this day you know I play play a lot of guitar on a weekly basis if you guys follow my Instagram Twitter whatever you'll you'll see plenty of guitar videos pop out so yeah that was a rage against the machine there rage against the machine yeah (laughs) classic that was one of the first bands so that that's funny that you mentioned them specifically because that that was one of the first ones that got me into heavy music heavier stuff because initially my dad was all Stevie Ray Vaughan Ted Nugent you know more blues leaning and for sure I love that to this day Uh, it's 
Stevie Ray is one of the goats, if not the goat, one of the best ever. You know, there's nothing bad you can say about him. I can't play like him at all. It's yeah. a style that I can't emulate that nobody to this day has been able to emulate, even the best oh, blues split. Yeah. Like when people try to cover – The guitar sings with him. It's crazy. Whenever people try to cover Stevie Ray Vaughan, it's like I can tell you're playing the right stuff. The notes are correct, <laughs> but it just it doesn't sound like him. <laughs> you know, it's missing. The vibrato is a little different. All the phrasing is just a little different. It's, you can't replicate that. So Stevie's still the goat, but like yeah. when Rage came into my life, then it became okay. This heavy stuff's awesome. Then it was like Metallica, which turned into Mudvayne and Slipknot, which now yeah. turns into a lot of the technical death metal that I love today. So <laughs> nice. It's just we spiraled. We went down the rabbit hole big time, and now it's <laughs> now it's stuff that my parents can't stand to listen to. So sorry, Dad. I went from Stevie to Black Crown Initiate, but here we are. <laughs> I went the opposite way. I was classically trained uh, vocalist and I toured Europe a couple times with my courses in high school and college. Learned how to play guitar in college actually by picking out bass lines for Rage Against the Machine. That's, That's awesome. how I started playing and I taught myself how to play guitar and then I was in a, a couple bands and uh, one of them was signed there around 2000. It was a band called Fat Kid that was pop punk and I got to do lead vocals and rhythm guitar in that band and had a blast and then it's killer you know now now i run a marketing promotions company so there <laughs> I it is right every once in a while and throw stuff up on my uh we need YouTube to write page and facebook page but right now it's just fun yeah maybe we need to write like a theme song for the podcast or something there like, we go. A, yeah, a little actually, intro. i actually use the uh one of the fat kids songs that if you guys listen to the podcast it plays in the intro nice song called um song called roland and that's a song that we wrote back around 2000 and uh, we were signed to Den Music at the time. And, Dude, that's yeah, awesome. We got some it. nice production on some of the music I got. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love that. <laughs> so cool. So thanks for sharing. Guys, you got to follow Hunter, Twitter, Instagram, Hunter A. Homestek. That's at H-U-N-T-E-R-A-H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K. Hunter and I were going to be here. Set your calendars every Tuesday, 2 o'clock following the Mike Tomlin presser so we can go all the over all of the information immediately after it happens from the presser. And if you don't like listening to Mike Tomlin say the same thing every week, just listen to us. We'll punch it up a bit and we'll have fun with it. But Hunter, always a blessing to have you. Thanks for being on the show, man. And I, I'm super happy to have you all season. For sure, man. Same here. We're going to have a lot of fun. I hope you guys like the first show. It's only getting better from here. And the Steelers, it's going to be a fun Steelers season, man. Predicting really nice things for them. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. See you soon, Hunter. Get to your, get to your meeting. Later, dude. Thanks. <laughs> Later, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to visit our title sponsor, Total Sports Enterprises, on Twitter. Be part of their signed jersey merch giveaway done every week. And it is at Total Sports Ent. That's at T-O-T-A-L-S-P-O-R-T-S-E-N-T. You too can get great, unique gifts on the SteelerNation.com gear page, like the shirt I am currently wearing now. Come on over to the SteelerNation.com gear page. Get dressed up for Steeler Nation, because, man, it's happening now. we got to do our tailgates at home, but let's look good doing it. we got some great ones. i got a bunch coming in that I'm going to be wearing across the whole podcast, so I'll be really pointing out some great shirts that we got. So come on over, check out the great designs, and I know you'll love it. SteelerNation.com is the best site for fast, unique Steeler content on the internet. Click the podcast button to listen to one of our many interviews or click the forum button for the best football discussion on the interwebs. Subscribe, subscribe to the SteelerNation.com YouTube channel and be the first to know about our live vidcasts and video uploads. Tweet us at SteelerNation, Instagram us at SteelerNation.com, 
follow the Steeler Nation podcast on Twitter and watch it live as you're doing here at underscore SN podcast or follow me, your host with the most, Striker on Twitter and Instagram and it is at SN Striker. Striker is spelled with a Y. Thanks for joining us for the SteelerNation.com podcast sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Striker, with Hunter Homestack rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers! The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening day bonuses and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.